Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush and Danny coming at you with the final installment of our four-part ranking series. We have the top 12 tight end rankings and strategy episode for you today. So Danny, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Again, as Corey mentioned, this is the last installment of our ranking series. You guys have seemed to be enjoying the other ones that we actually put out. So I uh, appreciate you guys showing the support there. But yeah, we're going to be going over the tight end position. And in a typical, again, one quarterback, two running back, two receiver, one tight end league, this is the position that is always the one where if you don't have a consistent performing tight end, it's so hard to find it's one. It's a wasteland after the it, top guys usually every year. Like Jason Witten was a tight end one last year. That's how fucking out of there, out of it it can get. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll talk about strategy. You'll go into the first bit of the strategy for the tight end position. Yeah, we're going to hit the intro first and then we'll get into the strategy. So tight end strategy, we've, we talked about this earlier in the off season, me and Nick did on our uh, six strategies for redraft episode, uh, because the season's actually coming up. I highly suggest you guys go back and look at that if you're new to redraft, but um, in fantasy football in general, but my policy is not to fuck with the middle class essentially is uh, at the tight end position. If Kittle is there in the late second or, or sorry, if Kelsey is there in the late second or Kittle is there in the early third, I will take one of those two elite options if I'm if I'm, the board falls a certain way and all the elite running backs are off the board. But Darren Waller is really the only guy I consider after that in like the late fifth, uh, sixth round until I get all the way down to like the Hayden Hurst range and even after him, like the Janu and Gesicki range. So Andrews, Kittle, Waller, Hooper, Ebron, Cook. These are all guys that were considered late round tight ends. And there was three each season. Three of those guys came in 2018 and three of those guys came in 2019 that were highly owned on championship rosters. You've heard me and Danny talk about it before. They're really not that hard to spot is, is basically my point. And I'll talk like towards the end of the strategy portion of this, I'll say who I think those three guys are this year. But if you follow camp reports, if you look at efficiency stats, like yards per route run and yards per target, yards after catch per reception, stuff like that. And you look at the overall situation and opportunity, um, vacated production, like guys getting hurt, all that stuff. It's pretty easy to spot these guys is basically my point. So this is a position that people like, for some reason, fantasy analysts around the industry kind of preach going early at tight end because they're like a wasteland after the top guys. That's true, but there's going to be guys that emerge from this, these late round guys and become top guys this year. The question is, who is that and how can we spot them? And I think it's easier than most people do. 100%. Again, like uh, I've mentioned before, I'll go into it a little bit later. Actually, no, I'm going to go into it now. Basically, when you're spotting these late round tight ends, again, I mentioned late round tight end is key if you're missing out on those top two options, in my opinion. Because then you get into what the, the Andrews, Ertz, and Waller tier that are all similar. But I mean, I just don't want to spend a third round pick where they're basically going right now on any of those options. So at that point, I would rather just wait on the position, but I've mentioned this a lot of times in previous videos, my three main things, when I spot a late round tight end and their ultimate potential, I mentioned this actually in the John New Smith video for the, my guys episode yesterday, but you look for, first of all, you got to look for talent. I mean, plain and simple, yep. they're not going to break out if they're not at least an adequate talent. Second of all, you got to look at their targets that they got the previous year and how efficient they were on them. Because I can kind of give you a glimpse. Again, we've mentioned multiple times on this channel. 
efficient players will earn more volume as the coaching staff sees what they're able to do with the target share that are currently getting. And finally, a clear uh, opportunity for an increase in targets. All of them that have actually applied to Johnny will go in a little later. Uh, but those three things all have to be evident, in my opinion, and those help you spot guys. Again, we mentioned Kittle, Waller, uh, Mark Andrews, Austin Hooper last year. Like, I mean, there's tons of guys every year that emerge. You just have to be able to spot them. And those are the three main things I look for when I do spot them. So again, you're mentioning the mid round versus the late round tight ends. I mean, you're telling me guys like Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby, Jared Cook. Again, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to mention later on going in round six and nine, all have uh, no concerns. I mean, plain and simple. They all have enough concerns that ultimately, why wouldn't you just wait a little bit longer again, the 11, 12, 13th, 14th type round, you get guys like John, you Jasicki, Chris Herndon, uh, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Blake Jarwin, all those guys are going later on with similar issues. So why would you spend premium capital on the guys with issues in the mid round? So that, that, that's kind of like how I think of it, but uh, yeah. Um, overall, what are your, what are your ending thoughts on the strategy portion? Of it? Yeah. So I'm going to pull up the, and what I mean by them, like th- those guys are what I was talking about, the middle class, the Higby's, the Henry's, the Ingram's, those guys are the middle class. I don't consider Waller and Ertz and Andrews, the middle class. Yeah. They're kind of like upper middle class. We're yeah. going to say that because I do think those three guys uh, are, are pretty safe, but like you said, I'm not willing to pay up on those guys. Cause like those guys are going in ranges oh. where it's like prime receiver it- territory. If you get those guys at a value, I'm perfectly fine. Like, and say Waller if, is usually that guy. Yeah, That's why I said exactly. he's the one I usually Fifth, sixth target. round? 100%. If they were all going in that fifth, sixth round area, pound the table because that's great value for those guys. But, like, again, right now you're going to have to take them, like, the late third or early fourth area. And, again, you mentioned the receivers available in that range. I just wouldn't take any of those tight ends over. So that's my opinion as well. Yeah. So I'm going to pull up right now who were the mid – like, who was the middle class last year? And – Zero of these guys became every week starters. Jared Cook was probably the like the best one of all these guys over the entirety of the season. But like there was some colossal bust on this list. Everyone, including myself, fell for OJ Howard. Evan Ingram was good when he was on the field, but that's Evan Ingram's problem. Hunter Henry, same thing. Um, Vance McDonald was just a fucking bum last year. <laughs> David and oh Joe man, his height. Stay healthy either. Delaney Walker couldn't stay healthy. Eric Ebron couldn't stay healthy. Like pretty much everyone on this in, on this list got injured or was dealt with offense issues like it's just not worth paying up a seventh eighth sixth fifth whatever round price for a tight end when virtually the guys late going later and i was targeting these guys last year andrews hooper and waller were all going outside this range and even though last year like i considered them to be in a similar vein as guys like hunter henry and, and vance mcdonald and jared cook last year they were going seven rounds different though that was the difference and outside of outside of howard like I didn't see a difference between these guys. Howard was the only one that I was like, man, he's going to be a stud tight end this year. The rest of them to me just seemed like, okay, whatever mix and match. If I have to call my shot, like I said, on the three guys this year, I think it's going to be Jonu Smith. I would say Hayden Hurst, but he's already kind of like entered that yeah, territory. Nine. Mike Kosicki and Chris Herndon. And Chris Herndon might surprise some people, but I, I legitimately think he's going to be this year's Darren Waller. Yeah. But yeah, I gonna, mean, I, I, sorry, yeah, go I ahead, go ahead. I've actually risen them a lot uh, on my rankings again. Obviously, you don't want to take all your stock into all these Roto Roto World reports, yada, yada, in the offseason. But it is something to consider when you 
hear that everybody in Jets camp is struggling except for the one connection between Darnold and his tight end, Chris Hearn. And everyone's saying it too. And I mentioned it with Jalen Adam Gase is saying it, which he's a fucking idiot. So if he was the only one saying it, I wouldn't believe him at all. But he hates everyone. <laughs> the fact that he does like something is pretty encouraging. I mean, you want to hear how, how knowledgeable he is? He just traded for Kalen Balazs as we speak in this video. Yeah. And Sam Darnold talked up Chris Herndon. The beat reporters are talking him up. That's what I said. You see patterns like that? This is what happened last year with Darren Waller. So um, we're going to get into the, the rankings. We're going to start with the number one guy. And there is only one number one guy, unfortunately, for George Kittle. The, Travis Kelsey is our number one guy. As, uh, as we mentioned on ADP battles a couple weeks ago, Kelsey is about as safe as a, f- a fantasy pick as you're ever going to see. Because four straight years, he's been the tight end one. Four. Probably the best situation a fantasy tight end can be in between his offense, his quarterback, his target share in the offense, his red zone target share, the fact that he has Tyree Kill and Miko Hardman to spread out the field for him. Like I like I know what you're thinking. The tight end one can't really return value. So what's the point of even picking him in like that late second round? But the point is you're not gonna lose your fantasy draft because you drafted Travis Kelsey, unless he suffers some freak injury, which could happen to any player at any time. He is gonna be a top three tight end. Like it's just gonna happen. The, probably the way, top two. He's like, probably, yeah, he's probably gonna be top two, but top three is his like floor because we've mentioned this a couple times. Like the first couple rounds aren't necessarily about hitting big. It's just don't fuck up essentially. And Travis Kelsey is the quintessential don't fuck up pick. He's going to return you value. There's a reason he's one of the number one players on uh, playoff rosters every year. It's because he never busts. It's not because he had some outrageous year. That's going to be followed by a, a bunch of negative regression the following year. Like he's just always good. Um, Kelsey was one of the, uh, the four players last year that was drafted on, or sorry, on 15% or more of fantasy championship rosters that was drafted in the first two rounds. As I mentioned, Derrick Henry, uh, Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey were the only other three guys drafted in the first two rounds of ADP last year that were on a high percentage of playoff rosters. And the reason is, is because those were the four guys that were super consistent last year. The other guys dealt with injuries or for one, uh, one time, another guys like Joe Mixon had a couple down, like had a down stretch, like guys like that, just for whatever reason, they weren't consistent throughout the whole season. So if you're getting a guy like Travis Kelsey, who's consistent throughout the whole season, which he will be because he plays the best quarterback in the NFL and probably the best scheme in the NFL with a ton of touchdown upside to potentially have a 12, 13, 14 touchdown season, he is going to not return value, but he is going to hold his value as the tight end one, as long as he's on the field. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Again, you bet with a guy who's consistently shown that he's done it over the last four years. I mean, plain and simple. Not to mention, again, he did it last year. Again, 15.9 PPR points per game last year, tied with Kittle for number one amongst tight ends. And that's only uh, with a third, three, sorry, the 3.7% touchdown per target rate in 2019 which is a fall from the 6.7 and 6.5% that he had in 2018. Probably Mahomes getting hurt probably contributed to that. 100%. So, I mean, overall, his touchdown per target rate was basically half that it's used to being, and he was still the tight end one tied for with Kittle on points per game. It just shows the amount of upside a guy like Kelsey has. So, I mean, he's, he's the tight end one. I do love Kittle as well. I'm going to get into Kittle and Kittle's why he's the clear. Kelsey. It, like, I'm not even going to deny that, but – it's just and the Patrick Mahomes run heavy like, offense as opposed to a pass heavy offense with Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Patrick fucking Mahomes that that's the difference. Like, and plus George Kittle has never been one to score a lot of touchdowns anyway. And Kelsey prior to this year was scoring like 10 touchdowns every year. 
Yeah, 100%. So uh, alluding to the Kittle, uh, he actually is obviously going to be our number two. I mean, you mentioned it. You hit the nail right on the head. He is the most talented tight end in the league. And I mean, there's really no need to explain why he's the number two because everybody clicking into this video knew the top two was going to be Kelsey Kittle. They just wanted to see what order it was. Sure enough, it goes Kelsey and then Kittle. But mentioning that, I mentioned how Kelsey was first in points per game at 15.9. Well, Kittle was tied with him at that 15.9 PPR points per game rate. Uh, playing in the 14 games, he did miss two games last year with injury, but not worried about that for the long-term future. But, I mean, if you're just looking at Kittle's game, he is the best run-after-catch tight end in the league with an Probably offense. Probably the history of the league, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, you got a four, a four or five athlete at 6'6", 250 pounds. I mean, the guy is just a freak, a freak. But if you're looking at it, he's got that run-after-catch ability with the most – intelligent offensive mind in the league in Kyle Shanahan scheming him ways to get him the ball in space. So, I mean, overall, again, this guy's got the number one stranglehold for the Niners in terms of target share. And uh, in general, Kelsey Kittle, and then there's a clear gap from everybody else, in my opinion. Yeah, that's, just that's, how it's going to be. that's why our strategy goes is the way it does. It's because of that gap. And you mentioned he's the number one target. Like, they have no one right now. Everyone's Literally. dropping, like, flies in camp. Ayuk busted his hamstring. Like, Kendrick Bourne's their wide receiver one right now. Yeah. Like <laughs> All that means to me, like, I'm a little nervous about Debo Samuel coming back because it sounds like he's not going to be, like, 100% for week one. So, all that, all that is to me is that George Kittle is getting fucking 60 targets week one. Like <laughs> Literally. So Man, it, It's definitely going to be fun to watch. But go into who we have, number three, obviously, after that tier break. Yeah, this might surprise some people that we have this guy number three. Everyone's probably expecting us to say Mark Andrews number three, but um, I have Darren Waller as my number three tight end. I believe you have him as your number four tight end. Four, yeah. And um, yeah, like I, I think Darren Waller deserves to be here. Uh, if you look, I'll put this on the screen right now. If you look at his, his efficiency stats from last year, he ran a, a crazy amount of routes, top four in routes run. He had like top three in targets, top five in deep targets, number four in target share, like you can see all the numbers there. What's the outlier? It's the touchdown number. The touchdown number is the outlier. His red zone reception, he was 11th in, which is not bad, but he only had three touchdowns, a 3.3 touchdown rate. As you mentioned with Kelsey, what the league average is like seven, 8%. Like yeah. he, that's going to regress positively. If you take a look at this chart, like he had an uber efficient season. Yes, but he's not going to regress. Why? Because he's super good. And they rewarded him by giving him a four-year contract, which he deserved every penny of based on his play last year. So some people will cite an increased target competition in the offense for the reason that they don't like Jason Darren Waller. Like, <laughs> Darren, like Darren Waller isn't going to get 117 targets this year, which isn't that many for the number one target in an offense because of Hunter Renfro, because of Lynn Bowden, who they brought in, because of Henry Ruggs, who I love, but he's not taking Waller's targets away. And because of fucking Brian Edwards. Like, I hate to tell Jason you this, Witten. but like Waller's the number one target in this offense. And yeah. it, it shows through because here's the splits with and without Hunter Renfro in the, um, in the offense. And his numbers are virtually the same. Like he had more yardage actually with Hunter Renfro in the, uh, in the game uh, plan. The only difference is he had no touchdowns. He had zero touchdowns. All three of his touchdowns came in the seven games without Hunter Renfro in the offense. And yes, the totals uh, and, or sorry, yes, the totals for receptions and targets dropped a little bit, but even over that stretch, they still project to a 79 reception, 105 target, and 100 or 1,115 yard pace for a tight end. And if you're getting that much yardage, the most predictive statistic you can find for touchdowns is yardage. It's not like receptions or red zone work or anything. When you have over a thousand yards, it's pretty hard not to have five plus touchdowns. And Darren Waller, if that if he has over a thousand yards again, which I think he will this year, 
he's going to have five plus touchdowns. And if he, he's a big play guy, he could get lucky with some big plays and have nine, 10 touchdowns. And he could be a top two tight end. He might even finish ahead of one of these top two guys. But the fact that he didn't score a single touchdown after some of these targets came back is why he disappointed the second half of the season. It's not because his targets were down, which they were a little bit, but it's not because his yardage was down because it wasn't. Like Robert Woods, he is due for positive touchdown regression based on his yardage. Like it's just as simple as that. Darren Waller, don't overthink him. He had a breakout, breakout year, and he's an ascending player still. He is the number one target in the offense. That's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree. Again, I have him at number four right now. This is a guy that is consistently going at the tail end of uh, that like second tier with himself, Ertz, and Andrews, right? But he's going like a full round, round and a half behind those guys, and that's just simply false. Which is why I'm willing going- to actually pick him. 100%. I mean, he should be going. If those guys are going in the third worth, he should be going in that range with them. I think all of them, to be honest, should be going in the fifth, sixth, where I'd be comfortable more taking them, which is why Waller, as you mentioned, is the only guy that's actually worth taking at the current ADP value. But love Waller, tight end four, PPR. I mean, he's still going to get a ton of receptions, as we mentioned. The splits with and without Renfro were really only based on the touchdowns. People want to cite those all the time. Well, look at the overall points per game clip. Well, no, because if you take in the touchdown variable, you'll see that that had a huge impact on his points per game uh, output. But overall, I mean, fantastic option. I'm not going to argue anything else for him. Uh, I'll move on to another option where people must have expected us to have at three. I do have him at three. You have him at four. Again, these guys are pretty much tied for three and four. So take your pick. And that is going to be Mark Andrews tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. So again, if you're just citing uh, what happened in this offseason, again, the Ravens were not able to replace the production that Hayden Hurst, like another guy I'm going to mention in a bit, uh, had and in the offseason deal, second and fifth round selection that they traded uh, or that they got for Hayden Hurst. Uh, and he vacates 39 targets and the third highest receiving total on the team at 349 receiving yards. So if you're looking at Andrews in terms of efficiency last year, we all know his output, 850 yards, 10 touchdowns. Lamar Jackson's number one weapon. But if actually looking at the efficiency, he was incredibly efficient in that offense. Again, he only played on 44% of the total snap share. Yet in those snaps, saw 23% target market share on the offense and a 30% target share in the red zone to go along with the 10 receiving touchdowns. So again, that incredible efficiency coupled with the departure of Hurst should see an increase in potential volume for this talented tight end. And an offense that should to be honest, stay incredibly high-powered, incredibly efficient for the upcoming season. They're not going to fall off the face of the earth because they were efficient last year. No, they're going to be a good, efficient offense with Lamar Jackson, with that run game leading the charge, ultimately getting uh, Mark Andrews in space to even have another 10-plus touchdown-type season because that's how good of a player he is. So overall, you mentioned the actual uh, pass-run split in uh, yesterday's My Guys episode. Well, the Ravens led the league, 56% run last year. And you cited last year – or yesterday when talking about AJ Brown, that teams that throw the ball 500 times or less in a season often see uh, positive regression in that regard by 63 total attempts or more the next year. So overall, if that's going to happen for Mark Andrews and he's going to get a more opportunity to be on the field for the team, this guy's going to return value in the top five tight ends, plain and simple. Love the potential he gets. But at the end of the day, again, that tier of him, Waller and Ertz, I'm just probably going to take the cheapest option either way if they come at value. Yeah, and as you mentioned, if they go up to 500 pass attempts, which isn't a lot still, it's still a run-heavy offense if you throw the ball 500 times, he had a 24.1% target share. So I don't give a shit that he ran 43% of the snaps. I actually don't care at all. 
he ran like 200 routes less than most tight ends in the league. And he was still the tight end three. Like that's not a regression argument. That's a young player coming into his own and he's going to get even more volume argument. Like that's just what's going to happen when, when you're this efficient as a young player, second year tight end. Remember I've said this for Johnny Smith, tight ends don't usually break out in their second year. Mark Andrews did. And the only other tight end we've seen do that is George Kittle, who is probably on a hall of fame trajectory for his career already, to be honest. So Mark Andrews is going to see increased volume. If the, if the Ravens offense throws 500 times, he's going to, he had a 24% target share last year. He's going to have 120 targets. If he has 120 targets, he's going to probably have a thousand yards and like 10 touchdowns again. Plain and simple. I mean, this guy is just an absolute stud. Again, he, to me, what, uh, what people are always, always going to point to is what A.J. Brown did at the receiver position in terms of efficiency last year, and then they're going to point to it at the tight end position. Oh, well, Mark Andrews can't keep up that efficiency too. When you're a good football player, you're going to earn more overall you're just value. Nerds. Looking at the stat like, sheet, it's, they're comparing to average players. Mark Andrews is not average. Average players do not break out as a tight end in their second year. Plain and simple, but uh, overall, we're going to get into the fifth guy on our list, kind of the end of that uh, mid or upper middle class of the tight ends. Uh, take it away with Zach Ertz, Bush. Yeah, so Zach Ertz is kind of pretty disrespected. I've seen him on a number of bust videos around the industry, people saying that he's going to be a bust this year. Well, the Eagles pass catchers are literally dropping like flies day by day. Uh, Miles Sanders, being one of the pass catchers, is hurt right now. Dallas Goddard broke his thumb. Apparently, he's supposed to be back by week one, but still not ideal for Dallas Goddard. And even if Dallas Goddard is back, Ertz had 134 targets last year with Dallas Goddard like playing all the games. Number two at the position, 156 targets the other year that Dallas Goddard's been there, which was number one at the position in 2018. So they run a base offense out of 12 personnel. So Goddard being there doesn't like really doesn't impact Ertz at all, to be honest. Marquis Goodwin opted out. That's another pass catcher gone. It's really just Djax and rookie Jalen Rager. Djax is 34 years old and he played in pretty much one full game last year. And Jalen Rager's a rookie receiver. Alshon Jeffrey is not only going to start the season on the pup list, which is a certainty based on what Eagles beat reporters and Doug Peterson's been saying, but he might just be on the IR. He might be AJ Green this year and not play a single fucking game. So I would be surprised. Yeah, Zach Ertz, his splits with and without Alshon Jeffrey in the past couple of years that Alshon Jeffrey's been on the team have basically been a big target increase. He has like 11 targets per game without Alshon Jeffrey in the lineup. And in the two games that both uh, Goddard and Jeffrey didn't play in the ga- uh, play in the lineup, he had 14 and a half targets on average in those two games. Yeah. Like that's insane. That's 29 targets over a two game stretch. But it, the thing that, uh, that people always hate on with Ertz is, Oh, well, if he didn't have such a huge uh, target base, like he's such it does, an he's still going to have it. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Like people like saying, Oh, he's not good after the catch. He's not an efficient tight end. Again, that matters when you're projecting guys for more targets. When you're Ertz and you're locked into 140, 150, 160 targets every single year that you are on the field. I mean, it doesn't matter. You could be fucking me out there and give me 160 targets. I'd probably be a top six tight end. That's how fucking, that's how much that means. 160 targets is like, there's only like fucking three tight ends every year that get more than a hundred targets. Like 160 targets is, is stupid. Like, like you mentioned, if you were out there, you'd get you'd be a top like, six tight end with 160 literally. targets. And in this COVID shortened offseason, we've used this argument for other players. We got to be consistent across the board. Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz don't need to establish chemistry. They've had chemistry for years. Heck, pe- people have fucking literally came at Carson Wentz for throwing him to the ball way too much. I'm pretty but sure that was Nelson Aguilar. 
Yeah, like it's literally been cited over and over again. Oh, teammates don't like Carson Wentz because he throws the ball to Zach Ertz too much. Oh, you mean a tweet that everyone tags on everything? That in oh, four huh? seasons, Carson Wentz has that many fumbles tweet? I hate that fucking tweet. Anyway, um, don't overthink Zach Ertz. He's going to get volume. No. That's, that's all that matters for Zach Ertz. Like, as long as he's getting 110 plus targets, which is like a guarantee to happen, they, yeah. especially if any more receivers get injured he's going to be a top five tight end. So don't overthink Zach Ertz. On to number six, Hayden Hurst. Danny, take it away. We mentioned him in the My Guys episode, but I am – these next two guys we're going to discuss, I am all in on for this I mean, this they're year. both our guys, so. Plain, plain and simple. They are, the, are my guys from that episode. If you guys haven't watched that episode yet, make sure you go hit that up. And uh, before we get into it, though, I'm just going to mention, while you're here, you made it this far, go like the video. Comment down below what you think of the ranking so far and make sure you hit that subscribe button and turn those notifications on. Well, let's get into Hayden Hurst. Mentioned him a little bit yesterday, but the Falcons are the team that will just, no matter what, they'll throw the pigskin around. They'll find a way to. Dirk Cutter loves basing his offense around the passing game. And who's his favorite target in the passing game? Just so happens to be feeding his tight end position. But if you're actually looking at the Falcons last year, again, ranked first in the league in pass to run split at 66.7%. I mean, overall, we saw what Austin Hooper was able to do last year. Tight end one in points per game across the first eight weeks of the season and across the whole season was tight end three on points per game at 14.8 PPR points per game. And why does that happen? Because he had an 18.5% target market share in the 13 games he played, which is just insane. The Falcons committed to Hayden Hurst this offseason. They gave up a second and fifth round pick. And how many times are you going to say what that second round pick turned into? But J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, they signed a washed-up uh, Todd Gurley. I would set. literally draft J.K. Dobbins in, like, the third round if he was, if he was the draft pick by the – Like, the Gurley's going there right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the exactly. Dobbins instead, like, plain and simple. But overall, when you're looking at it, I mean, he figures into an offense that vacates the most targets in the league. How many targets? 256 vacated targets. That's not going to all go to Julio. That's not going to all go to Calvin Ridley. Not gonna, people want to project Gurley for a big workload, the most inefficient running back in terms of receiving in the if league. If Gurley gets touch, seven please. targets, I'll shave my head on camera. <laughs> you, you guys will see, again, my thoughts on Gurley uh, in an upcoming bus video, a little sneak peek. But overall, this is just a team that has way too many vacated targets, throws the ball way too many times, and not to mention, they are the second leading team in throwing the ball in the red zone. Only behind the New York Jets. They throw the ball in the red zone at a 63% clip, 102 pass attempts last year. Guess where that's going to go? That's going to go to the trustworthy tight end that Matt Ryan can rely on. Because let's be honest, it's not going to throw the Julio in the red zone. We've already seen how that works out yeah, for them. Plus, Dirk Cutter just like looks for his tight ends in the red zone. Cameron Braid had like seven touchdowns on like 10% of the snaps in 2018. Like, like if Hayden Hurst is playing a full 16-game slate, I think, like, this may sound bold. I think he's locked into being a top six tight end just because of volume, man. Like, it's going to be insane yeah. to think. Like, th this guy could walk in to 120, 130 targets if he plays a full 16 games. That is how many targets are available in that Atlanta Falcons offense. Overall, Hayden Hurst, make sure you go get him because he's going way later than he should be. But get into another guy that's going at the tight end 17 way later than he should be, and you're my guy from yesterday, Corey, and John U. Smith. Yeah, one quick thing on Hayden Hurst. His ADP right now is still tight end 13. Like, if he gets 90 targets, which is the most conservative projection of all time, he's going to finish ahead of tight end 13. I can assure you that. He's so, all Johnny Smith, as you mentioned, I'm not going to go super, super in-depth with Johnny Smith because I've gone breakouts video from Wednesday is the video. If you want to know about Johnny Smith, I went like 
fucking six minute rant on John U. Smith, but he's been uber, uber efficient throughout his career, which is a great um, projector of, of a breakout tight end. Second in yards after catch per reception since 2010, only behind George Kittle. Number 11 in yards per route run last year. Second in yards per target. Second in target separation. He's been incredible, basically, with the opportunity that he's been given. Entering a critical critical breakout opportunity this year where he can become the clear number two option in his offense. He's fully developed. You know this because he played 81% of the snaps last year um, once Delaney Walker was hurt. In his fourth season... Austin Hooper was in his fourth season. Do you remember? Let's flash back to a year ago. What did we think of Austin Hooper going into the season? For people that were like off of Austin Hooper, he was just like kind of a guy, right? Like he was a guy who was going to get some yeah. volume, similar to what he is in Cleveland right now, except yeah. in the Falcons offense where he actually had great opportunity because they passed the ball so much, he became a breakout tight end. The same is true for Jonu Smith, except Jonu Smith is way more talented than Austin Hooper. And like I mentioned, in week seven, Delaney Walker went down. Delaney Walker is the reason John U. Smith hasn't broken out yet. When he was out, he averaged 81% of the snaps, 1% less than what George Kittle gets. He adds, before this happened, before Delaney Walker was even out, he was getting 55% of the snaps, which is 12% more than Mark Andrews gets. He's going to break out this year. It's just going to happen. That's just my opinion. If you want to hear it more in depth, it might not sound like I have a lot of facts right now, but I'm not going into it all again. He's going to break out this year. He's been excellent when Delaney Walker's been off the field. 10 plus PPR points per game. More last year when he was off the field. 12, 12 and a half PPR points per game last year without Delaney Walker, which would have ranked as the tight end eight on the season. I think he has upside for much more than that. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Again, Johnu Smith, I believe I have, well, I have Hayden Hurst at six and I have Johnu at eight right now. You have him at seven. So yeah. those two guys, we are way way ahead of in terms of where ADP and ECR ADP has him at 16 and ECR is at 16 as well. He is in line with ADP. That's just insane. How is he going outside the top 12? He's going behind like TJ Hawkinson, like Austin Hooper, Jared cook. Like, no, not a chance. Like, no, even if you're scared of John U. Smith, because I know he's kind of nerve-wracking to draft it. I mentioned this on the breakout video. Pair him with someone, but like draft Austin Hooper in the 10th round and draft John U. Smith in the 12th round. I can assure you, you're going to be dropping Austin Hooper after three weeks once John U. Smith gets on the field. 100%. I mean, plain and simple. And even a better play is take two of these guys. If you can get a Hurst and a John U., like one of them is gar- like locked in guaranteed to break out. And I think both are actually, to be honest, going to be top eight tight ends. That makes sense. I do too. Well, but overall, I mean, John U. Smith is so talented, 100% uh 100th percentile athlete and it was super efficient on the targets he received that just screams an increase in overall volume kind of like what we saw in oh i don't know darren waller the year before yeah mark andrews he it's just well i mentioned the top three tight ends when i was like who are this year's austin hooper darren waller and and mark andrews to me austin who this year's austin hooper is hayden hurst Hayden's. makes sense because yep. in the same offense this year's john of smith is Mark and or sorry, this year's Mark Andrews, John Smith, and this year's um, Darren Waller is Chris Herndon. That's what like it, it like, parallels completely almost together. So the yeah. next guy on the list is the first of the middle class tight ends that we don't want, and that's Evan Ingram. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean with Evan Ingram, this has nothing to do with his talent, but more so the volatility that you get when you have them. Because plain and simple, you draft them. Don't expect more than eleven or twelve games to play to be played for him. Plain and simple. I had him last year, traded for him at the beginning of the season. Guess what? Those first eight games, phenomenal. Then he gets hurt and doesn't play the rest of the year. But overall, when you're breaking down the numbers from last year, yeah, he only started eight games last year, 
But in those eight games, he did still be able to produce 13.7 PPR points per game, which would have ranked seventh. And then if you actually break that down a little bit further, he left the game against Arizona after one catch for six yards. So if you substitute that out as well, 15.21 PPR points per game, which would have ranked as the tight end three behind. Wait, Arizona stopped someone at a tight end? They got hurt. (laughs) (laughs) One catch for six yards. But overall, when you actually break down the splits of Evan Ingram before and after that injury against Arizona, it just cleared. I mean, the first five games of the year, 16.56 PPR points per game on over six and a half catches and almost 10 targets per game. After he gets hurt in that Arizona game, those totals drop to 8.87 PPR points per game with 6.67 targets and only 3.67 catches per game. So again, people are going to say, well, he is, uh, he's got that upside to be with the top tier. And I fully agree with that. But at the end of the day here, you're getting him out of value because he's got those injury concerns. Again, the overall... I like him, but if I have to take him where he's currently going, I would just much rather wait and get guys like we mentioned right before, John U. Smith, Hayden Hurst. Get those values. Not only do not only that, but you can get Devonte Parker, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Jarvis Landry, Hollywood 100%. Brown. Like where Ingram is going at other positions, you can get these receivers and like higher upside running backs. So I'd much like. What would you prefer? Would you prefer J.K. Dobbins and John U. Smith or Evan Ingram and? Fucking Chase Edmonds. I like Chase Edmonds, but like, give me J.K. Dobbins every day of the week. 100%. So I, I fully agree there. Uh, not much else to add. Maybe I, I was going to say something about uh, Garrett splits uh, with Jason Witten in terms of overall targets over Shutch and Dallas. But I've already talked about another video. If you guys want to see that, just check out the ADP battles uh, on the channel with Evan Ingram. And I think we had him compared to another guy we're going to mention in Tyler Higby, but. I'm done with Evan Ingram. We can get on to the next guy in Hunter Henry. So what do you have on him, Bush? Yeah, so Hunter Henry, I've actually warmed on him in the past couple days because of the injury to Mike Williams, basically. Um, he's kind of like, I don't really, I just don't want him. That's that's basically what it comes down to. I don't want Hunter Henry because I don't want to have to draft him where I have to get him. Number eight in fantasy points per game. Okay, yeah. Top six in uh, red zone receptions last year. Top five in routes run at the tight end position and a high slot share 33%. He's solid. He's, he's good. I just, the reason I don't want him is because I don't see much of a difference between him and Hayden Hurst and Johnny Smith and Mike Kosicki because he has concerns. He has been injury. Like he's been injured, often injured. He has a new quarterback. The, the passing yardage uh, of the offense was 591 attempts last year from Phillip Rivers. Tyrod Taylor's not throwing that many times. Like you'll probably only throw 520 times or so, which is like not that bad. But for a guy like Hunter Henry, who's not the number one or two option in the offense, that's, that's Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Hunter Henry is going to get the scraps. That's basically what, what it comes down to. And it helps that Mike Williams is going to be injured because now he's like the, the third target, like solidified, but he's a high floor option. If he can stay healthy, my, he'll probably finish as a top 10 tight end. My issue is that I just won't own him very much because I can get Hurst and, and John U. Smith later. Yeah. I mean, I fully agree with uh, that, that, that take on Hunter Henry. Not to mention, I mean, this is a guy like when he does play, He's shown an ability to score touchdowns. He's a touchdown or bust tight yeah. end too. That, that's play, pretty play, much play, and play a lot of tight ends are, but he is very, very touchdown or bust. Yeah, I fully agree. So we can go on to our next guy. And this is a guy who prior to week 12 last year, nobody w- would have even thought that he would be in the discussion to be a top 10 tight end for the 2020 season. That's going to be Tyler Higby, tight end from the Los Angeles Rams. So when you're actually breaking down Tyler Higby, the main argument for him, as I mentioned, is that he was absolutely scorching, scorching to finish the season. 
21.4 PPR points per game over his last five games. So you guys will see the split on the screen. But again, the first nine games of the year he played, 5.91 PPR points per game. Those last five, 21.4, as I mentioned. And just off ridiculous usage totals, 11.2 targets per game, 8.6 receptions per game, almost 105 receiving yards per game, and basically a half a touchdown per game at 0.4. So overall, again, if you're able to just take that five-game sample size and project it over a season, yes, he would be a top three, top four tight end. But you have to keep in mind, they're getting Gerald Everett back, who actually had his own mini breakout before Tyler Higby was basically left on an island on his own, playing against basically every single one of the worst pass defenses against the tight end to, that you could imagine over those last five games. I mean, plain and simple, if you were streaming tight end and you didn't have Tyler Higby for those last five games, I don't know what you were doing. But uh, overall, again, they get Gerald Everett back. They spend a the fourth-round pick on Bryson Hopkins, even if they're using the 12 personnel, which I do think they're going to uh, switch back a little bit more to the 11, given how good Cooper Cup is, how good Van Jefferson has shown to be in camp, and just how consistent Robert Woods is. That ultimately here, that's going to affect Tyler Higby's usage. So overall, are we going to really bet on that solely on that five-game sample size? Are we going to use the rest of his career to kind of dictate uh, overall where his value should be? Yes. He's got the potential to be there because we've seen it happen. But projecting his season, projecting his ranking based off a five-game sample size versus the rest of his career is just simply how you find bust. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, look at Alex Collins. Two oh, years man, ago. I fell for Alex Two Collins. Two years ago. He, he, had a, he had a stretch of, what, six, seven games at the end of the he year? He was like PFF's he, number one graded running back I mean, over the second he, half. 2017. He was phenomenal. And yes, you want to buy into it because plain and simple, it's fun watching efficient, talented players uh, ultimately show it over a stretch. But I mean, at the end of the day here, it would still be an outlier if he does that over a 16 game sample because we haven't seen him do it. So overall, I like KB. If you can get him at a value as an upside play and pair him with another guy, I don't mind it, but he's just going too high for ultimately what I think his overall value should be because of that five game stretch. Yeah, and if you ever hear a fantasy analyst say, well, if you took his last five games and pasted it out to a full 16, you need to shut off whatever podcast or YouTube channel you're listening to. And unsubscribe to them. The worst analysis you'll ever hear in your life. Sean McVay, the one thing that really worries me about uh, Tyler Higby, aside, they actually paid him, so that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. They gave him a new contract. But uh, Sean McVay talked up Gerald Everett back in April, and he basically said, I'm going to do a better job of utilizing his skill set. This is a direct quote. He said, um, like, Higby has, like, a tough schedule, like, if you actually look at it, and substantial target competition with the two receivers that are there. And to me, he's just an easy fade because I think the target hierarchy in that offense goes Cooper Cup slash Robert Woods, whatever yeah, order you want to put them in. And then, and then it's Tyler Higby. And if any of the running backs get more involved in the passing game this year, that'll dent exactly. Tyler Higby as well. Exactly. I mean, plain and simple, like, you have to keep in mind that they didn't a, use their running backs in the passing game at all I was, last year. I was about to say that. A, Cooper Cup was dealing with injuries over the stretch. You saw that in his target total. I'm not even going to – like, people want to cite that all the time for Cooper Cup. Oh, look at the or look at the target total down the stretch. Well, he was dealing with injuries down the stretch. He's still recovering yeah, from the ACL Yeah, he was a year well. from an ACL tear, like, yeah. Uh, that. Uh, and not to mention, you mentioned just how inefficient and lightly used the running backs were in the passing game it's because Todd Gurley was the running back and we are have already said how inefficient he was as a receiver last year so ultimately here whether it's Cam Akers whether it's Daryl Henderson getting receiving targets out of the backfield I do think they're going to provide more of a uh, target threat out of the backfield for the Rams offense so I like Kigby but he's just overpriced at this point as you mentioned but uh yeah going into the next guy I'm just going to segue off I don't mind Higby but overpriced 
Uh, it's Mike Jasicki at 11 again. All these nerds on Twitter are like, oh, well, yeah, the two most inefficient tight ends in terms of uh, y- or yards after the catch or breaking tackles or whatever the fuck kind of shit they want to mention. Uh, Zach Ertz and Mike Jasicki. I get that. You do want efficient players at the tight end position. Or what do they have in guy, They're going to get a ton of targets. Yes, that's it. That's all like, you need. Mike Jasicki, whether, and he might get better at that. Evan Ingram, I think he will. That either. I, th- I, th- I fully think that Mike Jasicki will improve on that because plain and simple, you don't got that type of an athlete who's just going to be one of the most inefficient players after the catch in the league over the course of his career. Like if you actually saw games last year, he caught a bunch of passes. When he did catch his touchdowns, it wasn't making people miss in the open field. He was catching a ton of red zone targets, goal line targets as well. And overall, I mean, are we really just going to ignore the fact that the Dolphins offense over the first eight weeks of the year was a complete dumpster fire it was terrible it was like one of the worst offenses i've ever seen 100 percent. so overall if you're looking at the offseason they add a franchise quarterback into a tongue of and we've already seen his rapport with ryan fitzpatrick down the stretch they built their offensive line they're revamping their defense they're making this team ready to be rebuilt and mike jasicki is going to be a key part of that because again you got parker you got a presumed Preston Williams coming off an ACL tear. And then you got Mike Jasicki. What else do you have in the passing game, realistically? What, you want to do Malcolm Perry, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford? Like, no, it's going to even be Even without that, guys. though, like, even with, like, Preston Williams out, Mike Jasicki ran the seventh most routes of the tight end position. So even if yeah. he's, like, even if Preston Williams is back, he's still going to be on the field running routes. Like, if you're a tight end and you run a lot of routes, like, you're still going to get targets regardless if you're, like, a great separator or not. You run the seventh most routes at tight end. You have to be pretty garbage not to finish as a top 12 tight end. <laughs> yeah, top three in deep targets too at the tight end position. 100%. Again, and I mentioned how much of a dumpster fire they were over their first, we'll, we'll say 10 games for the offense. Over the last six games on offense, that offense was scorching down the stretch. I mean, 27.8 points per game uh, overall. And what you saw from Jasicki down that stretch was 13.4 fantasy points per game in PPR. I mean, plain and simple. If this guy's going to get the trust of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't give a fuck how he is after the catch. Just plain and simple, we've seen Zach Ertz be the same player for the last five years, and we've mentioned how Zach Ertz, with a ton of targets, is going to be as consistent as they come. So I do think Jasicki can take that next step and earn those targets, plain and simple, on this offense. But, yeah, we have him as our tight end 11. It's a 12 his, tight end his, video. Uh, his targets, too, his average depth of target is top seven for tight end. Yep. So. What that means, the reason he's not getting a lot of uh, yards after the catch is because the throw is already far. Like, it's not like a a slant that he's like, because I've seen like Waller run after the catch. He got like a bunch of drag routes where he would just like fucking run like 40 yards after. Like, Gasicki didn't get those kind of targets. He got the targets like seam busters. Like, he was getting uh, in a Tampa two, he's getting hit in the middle and getting clapped by a safety immediately. Like, he can run after the catch. He's not Zach Ertz. Like, he can do it. Like, the way he's being used is not like that. And maybe he gets used differently with the new offense coming in. Yeah, are, are we forgetting that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback there? Like, he's just going to fucking throw the ball down the field to those two guys and just sick E. Parker, even Preston Williams, plain and simple. Like, it, it's, that's just how he's built to play as a quarterback. So I don't know why people are worried about that number when in reality, again, you mentioned that average depth of target for Jasicki. He's running down the field and he's getting some deep fucking targets. But overall, love Jasicki. But uh, I like how you kind of mentioned with the Higby the last five games, because if that was the case and we could just project the sample size, small sample size over season, then Deshaun Jackson would be the wide receiver one every year. But anyways, go on. Who was tight end 12 to wrap up this video? Take it away, Bush. It's your boy. 
Yeah. So Rob Gronkowski is the tight end 12 and you might be like, Oh, this is like a biased pick or whatever. Rob Gronkowski isn't going to be good. I don't really think Rob Gronkowski is going to be that good this year. Like I like, don't, don't get it twisted. I don't think he's going to be that good. I think he's going to finish here and probably even higher. And the reason is because he's no longer the league winning tight end that we remember in new England that we would take in the first round of fantasy drafts. He's in the twilight of his career. He's with a new team, but the last time he was on the field in 2018, he wasn't that bad. Like everyone thinks he was terrible. He was banged up like crazy. He's had a year off to recuperate his body, get back in shape. He played 94% of the snaps in 2018. The last year he was on the field. He's not touching anywhere near that snap count this year. I can promise you that they've already talked about it. They've asked him, uh, the media has asked him, do you like, do you care if you're going to have like a lesser role this year? If you're like only in on 70% instead of 95, hundred percent of the snaps, he goes, whatever I got to do to help the team. Kind of like, kind of quotes like that. Right. The reason is because they have OJ Howard and Cameron Brate. They don't need Gronk to play 95% of the snaps. Howard's a good blocker. They don't need Gronk in line to block all the time. Obviously he's going to do it more than Howard because he's Rob Gronkowski and he's like the best blocking tight end in NFL history, but he's going to be on the field and he's going to be fresher than he normally is on the field. So if he could return value similar to what Jimmy Graham did in 2017, and this is the comparison I'm drawing, Jimmy Graham only had 500 yards in 2017, but he had 10 touchdowns and he finishes the tight end four. I could see a similar type of season from Rob Gronkowski because when they get down to the red zone, what, like who, who does Brady trust? Like he, he trusts Rob Gronkowski in the red zone. And last time that Rob Gronkowski was on the field, we saw his red zone numbers be the same as they were all the time. Like he gets, he had like eight or nine end zone targets and like a bunch of uh, uh, red zone targets and red zone receptions. He just got unlucky in 2018. He only had three touchdowns despite having his normal, like allotment of red zone volume. So if he's in this new offense and, and again, the COVID situation, we don't know what the chemistry is. Apparently the, it's progressing well with Mike Evans. We don't know about Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller and all the other uh, tertiary receivers, but I'm assuming that it's pretty obvious to assume he's going to have the best chemistry with Gronk. And when they're down in the red zone in the tight area of the field, Evans is going to draw some attention as is Gronk. But I think Gronk is still going to be the go-to guy in the red zone along with the other tight ends, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, you guys have known on the channel, like Rob Gronkowski has been my bust, but like that's still tight end 14 he's 12 for you so obviously he's gonna get there's no way he, he finishes top five in my opinion i don't think there's Agreed. any chance he finishes top five Agreed. I, I don't think there's any chance he finishes outside the top 15 i agree i think uh, he's just gonna be carried on the back of my seven eight nine ten eleven touchdowns this year i think if he plays like let's say 13 plus games he's probably gonna be in that six to eight range i will yeah. say that the thing is the reason why i'm scared of him is he's currently going as i believe the tight end eight or nine off the board and he's got the number one uh, injury predictor uh, like of all the tight ends. Sorry, yeah. He's scheduled to miss the most games. He has a 99% chance of missing two or more quarters on the season. And he's projected to miss, I believe, 5.2 games on the air. So that's yeah, the reason why, why I, I don't like him either. Because uh, I don't think like, he's going to stay on the field. But as long as he's healthy, as long as he's in the lineup, you're going to be able to play him. Because you're going to know that he's going to catch a couple passes and probably a touchdown every game or two. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Again, like, as we've mentioned, the, the tight ends kind of do run dry either way. Yeah, so, like, uh, it's not hard like, to finish as a top 12 tight end. Fucking Jason Witten did it out of the booth. Plain and simple. I mean, even just in our top 12 tight ends, the disparity, in my opinion, even between number 11 and Jasicki and number 12 Gronk is pretty big. But, again, as you mentioned, when Gronk does play, he is going to be a decent option to have fancy simple because of the touchdown upside. But I just don't think he's going to be available for you at value because – when you're in your home leagues, 
If people see that name, Rob. Yeah, Gronkowski, people see Rob Gronkowski. They're not go fucking fifth, letting him drop to the eleventh, twelfth round. They're gonna pick him in the seventh or eighth round over guys like Mike Kosicki and Hayden Hurst because they don't know who those guys Johnny are. Smith. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But anyways, that'll wrap out our wrap up our. 12th, Actually, you want to do some uh, honorable mentions? Yeah, we could do honorable mentions. I mean, uh, we're, we'll talk about my boy Blake Jarwin a little bit. Yeah. So Ooh. next week, I'm gonna be doing a top five sleepers video. Spoiler alert: this guy's gonna be in it. Chris Herndon, I would pick over Rob Gronkowski right now. The way they're talking about him, man, I mentioned it already. He's going to be this year's Darren Waller by all this, uh, by all indications. I he agree. has no target competition in his offense. Le'Veon Bell is his only target competition. And Le'Veon Bell apparently has a hamstring or he doesn't have a hamstring. Like, who the fuck knows? But they're bringing Kalen Balazs, like Frank Gore, it looks like he did in 2008. Like, who the fuck knows what's going on in Jets camp? All I know is that the only one they've been positive about all the time is Frank Gore and yeah. Chris, Chris Herndon. So Frank Gore. <laughs> yeah. Chris Herndon and, and Sam Darnold, like Chris Herndon had like a top 10 rookie season of all tight ends, like in the last like 15 years. So he showed a lot in his rookie season. He got suspended in, uh, in 2019 to miss a couple first couple games. And then he, um, he had dealt with some injuries coming back, but I think the way they're talking about him, man, like he, he is the perfect, like second tight end. If you want to draft 100%. Johnny Smith and you want some insurance, you draft, Chris Hearn in the very last round of your draft. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, realistically, if I think if we recalculated those ranks, he might even honestly have ended up our 12th, to be honest. He's my 15. I, 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 yeah. I updated mine. Yeah, he's my tight end. I, I, I think I have him at 16 right now, and that feels low as heck. Like, the more I think about it, I just think, like, he's going to be primed. So, overall, again, if you're looking for that upside shot, you get this guy as your tight end, too. It's more than fine. Another name I'll mention, again, briefly, uh, my, t- my team itself and Blake Jarwin. Uh, narrowly missed the cut. Uh, I just think he's going to be a fantastic option for you. It's going to be a little inconsistent because of the amount of options on Dallas, but I do think between the vacated production that is left behind from Jason Wynn, what he already did last year, that contract that he signed three years, 24 million. I mean, I do think he's going to be primed. To even, again, as you mentioned, he may not have a hundred targets, but I mean, if he's giving you 80 targets and having decent touchdown upside because of how good the offense is going to be, I do think he's going to crack that tight end one, tight end two type uh, fringe range. So, I really like uh, Blake Jarwin as a sleeper as well. The two Iowa guys, I want to touch on them real quick. Uh, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. I think we're a year off. I think it's, yeah, I think it's agreed. two years from now that they're the, the breakout tight ends. In 2021 fantasy, you're going to hear me talk about TJ Hawkinson yeah. and Noah Fant. As I mentioned with Mark Andrews and George Kittle, it's not common that tight ends break out in their second year. TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant are talented enough to do it, but they didn't show enough as rookies to me to tell me that they're, they're on the precipice of actually taking that big step. So I'm going to err on the side of caution and probably stay away from those guys, but maybe I'll get a share of uh, or two of them late in drafts. Cause they are still going late. It, it's worth a shot on those guys. They, they have first round draft capital that should have some opportunity in their offense, but I do think it's going to be 2021 that those guys uh, take their big step. Yeah, I fully agree. And again, if you guys have made it this far, this is our top 12 tight ends, the fourth installment of our rankings videos. If you have liked the video, Make sure you go hit that like button and comment down below what you like, what you dislike, anything that you agree or disagree with, with our rankings. We are ready to no Jack Doyle questions. Oh man. Let's not get into that. Or Jason Witten. Now he's going to eat into Darren Waller, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, anyways, anything you want to say? Cause I really just kind of mumbling the words. With no, him. I'm going to, I just want to throw out a couple more dart throws. Eric Ebron, not bad. Irv Smith Jr., not bad. Dawson Knox, not bad. And Jay Sternberger, not bad. So those are just yeah. some like late round dart throws if you don't like any of the guys that we talked about. But Agreed. as Danny mentioned, like, comment, subscribe. If you're new, hit the bell icon, posting videos all the time. Join the Discord in the description. I know the link's been a little busted. We're going to get that fixed up. 
We're going to try and build that discord, get this community going as we head into the season. There's a lot of informed fantasy players. If you're new to fantasy, if you have any trade advice, if you want to know you're on the clock at the sixth pick and uh, someone asked this question in our discord uh, recently, they're on the clock at the sixth pick and the top running backs are gone. Who do you pick? You pick Clyde Edwards Solaire and you don't even think twice about it is the answer. So um, without further ado, guys, take it easy and enjoy your Friday. Peace out.